This is the Edify Podcast for the servant. There is another aspect of responsiveness to the word that is preached that we also need to consider. You know, last week we discussed the idea of hearing and heeding the voice of the Lord that comes through the extension of preaching, as it always has. But one that calls for responsiveness to what one already knows. As the old adage goes, use it or what? Lose it. How many adults actually recall the intricacies of the math they learned in grade school? Not many. I tell you this, I quit math in eighth grade. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of true, kind of not true. Anyway, knowledge that is most um, well, let's let's put it this way: knowledge that is not employed is easily forgotten. So a similar principle is true with respect to spiritual knowledge. Failure to act on what one person knows uh, results in spiritual um, sluggishness. Sluggishness. So th- this this is seen in the Epistle of Hebrews. Um, Due to the pressure that they're that that likely stemmed uh, from persecution, uh, some take the position that Hebrews was written around AD seventy because the Hebrews were looking at their temple being taken away. Uh, I don't I don't know. That sounds that sounds pretty good. Uh, sounds like a good argument, uh, a good study either way. Um, but the Hebrews were tempted, whether it was before seventy or after, doesn't matter. Uh, to return to the old form of things, uh, to go back to the way things used to be. And, and isn't that the way every generation of every listener is always about? But but in an attempt to bypass the opposition, what they were doing is they were minimizing the the distinctions between the old and the new covenants. Well, this is kind of the same thing. Well, we're still God's people or whatever, 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 whatever. They had reached the point that returning to the old covenant seemed you know, like a, a relatively insignificant shift. Well, no big deal. We still love the Lord. We can do the Old Testament church just like we can the New Testament church, and it's kind of the same. Your God is my God, etc., etc. And due to their spiritual sluggishness, they were incurring, uh, realistically, about three debilitating, spiritually debilitating effects. Uh, the author of Hebrews had just introduced a, a theological um, significant comparison uh, the infinitely superior priesthood of Christ to that of Melchizedek, Hebrews chapter 10, 5 through 10. And he had so much to say about this comparison, uh, but but he knew that his audience had, had lost something of their spiritual um, dexterity, their, their ability uh, to hear. He says that, that the subject had, verse 11, become hard to explain, but it was not that it was particularly difficult um, and it wasn't that the author lacked the skill to explain it. It wasn't that he uh, had a problem. It wasn't that the, the Holy Spirit said, you know what, I don't know how to put this into words. Instead, it was the Hebrews who had become, as he said, dull of hearing. They had become spiritually sluggish or lazy. Um, they, they were unable to, to delve into the weightier things of theology, the, the heavier matters. Okay, They had come to need the fundamentals of the faith to be taught to them all over again, chapter 6 and verse 1. So this is the consequence of failing to live in light of what they already knew. See, theology matters. In the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, grasping the comparison between these two priesthoods was vital to the perseverance uh, of the Hebrews. Yet how many Christians have given any serious thought to the practical 
um, significance of, of this for their own spiritual life. It is true that it is significant and that its significant is born um, out of a comparison between the Levitical priesthood to that of Christ. So it's, it's also true that this bears um, particular significance. Let's let's say that for believers alive during the transition between the old and the new covenants. I mean, imagine being between the two. I mean, imagine having to shift the gears and, and Jesus kind of kind of changing things, kind of not changing things. I mean, where do the sacrifices go? What about the temple? What's he doing when he dies? The the veil tears. I mean, imagine imagine the upheaval. I mean, give give some folks the benefit of the doubt for just a moment. And think about your physical world and the way that you have always worshipped being shifted and changed. If you're listening to this podcast and you were converted out of denominationalism into the one body of Christ and you worship in spirit and in truth, you're giving the gift of yourself uh, to God, you're proskuneo, you're kissing his hand every Sunday, every Every day that you live, you're you're giving your life a living sacrifice. Whatever it is, where you weren't doing something and now you are doing something, and it looks almost, I mean, completely different in in some of the ways. Um, that's that's real. There there is an implicit call to a believer to be a theologian. Every Christian is a theologian. Every one of us has a theology, meaning we all have a study about God. We all have a belief about God. Theology is not just for preachers, and it's not just for professors. It is for every member of the body of Christ. Uh, everyone is a theologian, but the question is, are they a good one? Okay, uh, Hearing is, is hindered. Uh, when a person refuses to act out what they've heard, and therefore... Uh, growth is grounded. Spiritual sluggishness not only hinders a person's hearing, but it also stunts their growth. Worse than that, it can even result in spiritual regression. Uh, you're you're beginning to, as Jesus would say, you're beginning to lose what you even think that you have. So though the Hebrews should have been able to teach others, they had regressed to the point of now being rookies. Being novices, being being as though that they they were in need of milk all over again, chapter five and verse twelve. Their their spiritual digestive systems were unable to handle uh, the meatier, the weightier matters of scripture, things that required some discernment. And, and yet the Hebrew epistle is loaded with meaty theology. Now the question is, why is that? Because the way to wean an infant from milk is to feed them solid food. But before doing so, what the author does is he chides his readers uh, to awaken from their spiritual, um, you know, lethargic mindset by failing to act on what they knew about the Christ and about the new church. The Hebrews were blurring the lines of demarcation, all the differences. They were they were blending things together between the old and the new covenants. And what they were doing, this the result, they had yielded back to prior spiritual progress. They were stifling the effectiveness of the word in their lives. They the, the meat that they were being fed was not fueling their spiritual uh, development. Instead it was working to restore them to where they once were. So significantly then, present fruitfulness is conditioned on past faithfulness. Let me say that again. Present fruitfulness is conditioned on past faithfulness. The reason that you are where you are today is because you were faithful in your past. 
So that means a believer's conduct the week leading up to Sunday, to the sermon, to the preaching, to the to the edification from the pulpit can impact the effectiveness of the word in their life. Following a sermon, it is natural to evaluate the effectiveness of the preacher. There, there are times when the preacher has has been or was less effective than he could have been. But there are also times when the hearer has simply failed to bring a properly prepared heart to the table. The hearer must understand that faithfulness to what they have learned in the past the past few weeks, maybe it's a topic, maybe it's a series, maybe it's scripture, whatever it is, the failure to 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 be faithful to what they have learned in the past is realistically going to impact the fruitfulness of the word in the present. Let me say it again. Present faithfulness is conditioned upon past faithfulness. So the hearing of the word is hindered. Growth is grounded. Number three, discernment is diminished. See, the need for milk is indicative of spiritual infancy. That tells us what a baby's drink. They drink milk. And it, and it demonstrates that a person is um, unacquainted with the word of righteousness, chapter 11, verse 13. But the author is not saying the Hebrews were ignorant of God's standards. Rather, it is that they had failed to put those standards into practice. So this provides no support that a person can be saved um, and yet remain in a perpetual state of infancy. Um, you have to grow. There, there is, there is no, there is no in between. You're either growing or you're dying. And if you're dying, you're spiritually dying. You're spiritually failing to hear. You're spiritually failing to grow. There are a lot of people in our pews who are in this position, so they need to hear this. You, you, brethren, we need to preach this sort of stuff. We've got to grow up. I think it was, um, um. Ira North, Ira North, maybe it was Ira, I believe it was, but his his sermons and his book on balance and complacency and, and, and all sorts of things, great tools, great tools to help you grow uh, the member in the congregation. But but that that state of infancy, that perpetual state, it, it's a state like that is evidence that, that one is not connected to the vine, John 15 and verse 2. In fact, given the warning of Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, there are only two options, either take strides towards spiritual maturity or spiritual apostasy. There is no in-between. So in contrast, solid food is for the mature who, because of uh, practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil, Hebrews 5.14. The word senses refers to a person's spiritual faculties, their capacity for discernment. Um, the implication is that, that those who, whose faculties are properly trained see a return to the old covenant not as only foolish but it's spiritually cat cat catastrophic i mean it's 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 damnable it's it's heresy it's a, it's it's apostateo uh is 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 to apostate from the new covenant of christ thus the believer reaches higher levels of maturity by virtue of exercising their capacity for discernment they become skilled in the word of righteousness. They can effectively discern between morally right and morally wrong. In a nutshell, both maturity and discernment are realized by putting the word into practice. 
So this means that increasing in biblical knowledge is not dependent on intellectual ability. A person does not need to be an academic to reach Ph.D. status in the school of Christ. Those who are knowledgeable do not get there by way of superior intellectual prowess. No. Spiritual growth and an increase in the knowledge of God are dependent upon obedience. So progress in knowledge, wisdom, and maturity is directly tied to what one does with what they know. James one twenty five. it is the doer of the word that will be blessed. And they will be blessed with fuller understanding, greater degrees of wisdom, and higher levels of maturity. So this is why Jesus said, Take care how you listen, for whoever has to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. Luke 8.18. And that's all in context of that Luke 8.11, the seed is the word of God. A believer's ability to hear well in the present is impacted by their obedience to what they have learned in the past. Failing to act on what one knows is the cause of spiritual sluggishness. And spiritual sluggishness hinders hearing, it stifles the growth, and it weakens the discernment. May God bless you as you preach, and may God bless those who are hearing, and that they will not be dull of hearing. And therefore, the congregation where you labor will grow in knowledge and in truth and in grace and into that full, mature man that you and I are preaching. And prayerfully, we ourselves are growing. Just a little side note, I don't know what you do for yourself. I don't know uh, if you just study for your sermon. I hope not. I, I, I personally try not to do that. I woke up this morning, um, and I dove right into Ephesians 1. And I'm going through Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. And Paul talking about that predestination, it looks like he's talking about the Jews being predestined and that the Gentiles were being made known the full mystery of Christ. Anyway, that's a personal study. Because uh, you hear so many people talk about the idea of everybody being predestined. And, I, and I've heard my studies and I've heard my lessons and I've heard my uh, my instructors that I had. And we talk about the predestined work of Jesus and that we were predetermined and that the chosen is in two categories, the chosen uh, body of Christ and the chosen one specific. And sometimes it goes back and forth, depending on the word, depending on the context, etc., etc. But I like to study something completely different than what I'm currently preaching. This Sunday, uh, I'm preaching on what people are suffering during this holiday season and how we can be a blessing to those people. I'm trying to, Ephesians 4.11, equip the church for the working of the ministry. Uh, that's what preachers' jobs are to do. It's our job is to equip the church for the working of the ministry. Uh, how are you doing with that? Are you equipping them? Or are you preaching that baptism sermon over and over again? Uh, it's like the fellow who kept preaching on baptism. The elders come to him. They say, hey, uh, P.S., all we've ever heard is baptism from you. Start in Genesis and preach something different than baptism. So that's what he does. He preaches Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. He gets to the flood, and he says the water, which is the ark, which brings me to the point of baptism, and he takes them all to 1 Peter three twenty one. Don't be that guy. Expand your knowledge. Uh, study something different than what you're preaching on Sunday. Uh, become become better. Become more um, um, more equipped for different things. Study something different. I, I think it's a I think it's a cop out when we say that we're studying and we're becoming Christians and more faithful educators when all we're studying for is the sermon, and we're not personally developing our personal self as a Christian, not just doing the work of the preacher and the evangelist, but developing developing ourselves. 
Studying something different than what I'm preaching on Sunday is crucial for me. I want to give that to you. Hopefully, hopefully you do that. Hopefully it's the same. Feel free to comment. Uh, send some posts on the Facebook page. Uh, email me, jake at lifeinchrist.com. Have some things you want to talk about. Have some things you want to discuss. Uh, let me know. Uh, hope you are all doing well. May God bless you in your preaching, and may God bless those who are hearing his word.